Hello and welcome to Success Stories. I'm Kendra Hall, Chief Storytelling Officer at Success Magazine, and this is the podcast where we sit down with the brightest stars and the boldest thought leaders as they share their stories so you can create your own success story. I had my first conversation with my next guest in the summer of 2020. We were talking about imposter syndrome, and I remember sitting across the computer screen from him, and really I was unable to ask any questions because I was so busy taking notes. His perspective, his ideas, his ways of working in this world were so simple and yet at the same time revolutionary. I simply couldn't take my ears away or my brain or pause my brain from absorbing everything he was saying. Now, I didn't really get a chance to hear his story until this interview. And man, oh man, wait until you hear it. If you've ever stopped yourself from moving forward because of the stories of your past, this is a conversation you cannot miss. Let's get to it. A product of the foster care system who was eventually adopted by an all-white family, Anthony Trucks turned his self-determination and athletic gifts into a college football scholarship and, eventually, the chance to live his dream in the NFL. By 25, he was a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, married with a son and a bright future. But a fluke injury quickly changed his path, derailing his football career and hurtling him toward despair. In the search for a way forward, he experienced what he describes as a transformational identity shift, the same type of shift he now helps others to make during their lowest moments. He has become a speaker, a best-selling author, the host of two wildly popular podcasts, and a great friend to the whole team at Success. Anthony, welcome to Success. We are so excited to hear your stories. Hey, you make me sound so cool. I want, I want to meet me. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm like, I'm going to start by reading this intro so you can you hear go. how amazing you are. And I don't actually often do this, but... But where should we, I mean, just in that intro alone, where do we start? Like, oh. I, there were so many points of listening, reading that intro that I'm like, wait, I, I want to I start here. I want to know more about this. I want to know more about this. I want to know about, more about this. Yeah. So I'm going to let you choose, or you can, you can send it back to me. Man, I'll, you know, here's the thing. I, uh, I, I never quite know where to talk about these things. I, I tell people my, my story is kind of like this hallway. I think most people's stories are, it's like a hallway. Uh, here's where I started. Here's where I'm at now. And then we got to choose which door to go down on that hallway. Yeah. So you get, to, you get to choose the door and we'll open it. Because if I'm talking to, you know, CEOs, is this the business when I'm talking to relationship people, it's my marriage, it's, it's children, it's going to be the foster care. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, here, then I will, then I'm going to choose for you because we are talking to, and you know this, longtime friend of the success audience, are people who are looking to find, achieve, are seeking uh, different levels of success. And for many of them, it's in their careers, the entrepreneurs, uh, some of them in their personal life, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing that I 
the thing that I am most fascinated with and really excited to talk to you about is it sounds like, like I just imagine that day, like you finally, you achieve this dream after all the hardship, like, you know, leading up to coming into the NFL, realizing that I'm sure that was a dream of yours. And then to have this injury, like what it feels like to have your dreams come crashing down. So I think I want to start there. Like, tell us about that journey um, to using your athletic gifts, college football, getting into the NFL, and yeah. then that day when everything changed. Yeah, man. So you want let's let's go make ever let's talk about the bad stuff. No. And that's where I want to. Yeah, let's go yeah. right to that. I'm like, tell Listen. me how bad, and then we can hear all the rest of the. Yeah, stuff. no, but that's the important stuff, right? Because if I find that if anybody's gonna listen to me, they gotta know why, right? Why am I a guy to even pay attention to? And so uh, I guess so. I'll go back. My my story starts at three years old. My my mom um, calling me from, I was inside of my house, three years old, remember the entire layout of the house. And I remember I, I get called out to the back and some strange woman standing next to my mom and she, you know, she's crying. And she, I remember she gives me a kiss on the forehead and like takes my right hand, hands it to this lady and she drags me off to this black crown Victoria. And I didn't know at the time, obviously, but I was a little kid, uh, but I was being put in foster care. So my mom pretty much called and, and told soul services, I don't want my kids anymore and gave all four of us into a system. And the system, man, bad system. It, it dealt with me in a negative way. Man, I was beaten and starved and tortured. I was putting chicken coops and forced to catch a chicken to earn my meals. I was putting shopping carts pushed down hills towards moving traffic. I was forced to lick the bottom of kids' shoes until my tongue blood, like some really heinous stuff. And then at six years old, after three years of this crazy abuse, uh, I landed in my house, which is my family now. We were really, really poor. Uh, I was the only black kid in the all-white family, so a lot of weird diversity, identity stuff I'm battling with on top of foster kid, on top of, you know, where do I fit? And mom doesn't want me. And so all these, these feelings of if anybody's ever had a sense of I don't matter, I don't, nobody cares about me, I'm scared, I'm even to the point of like giving up, like this was my childhood. <laughs> this was kind of what I experienced. And uh, with that family, we went through a couple of different foster dads. My second foster dad was a great guy. It was weird up until the age of 14 when I was finally adopted. I always had this, this struggle with, I don't want things to get good because they could be ripped away. Yeah. And I know a lot of people in life that it's like, there's a fear of having something more because what if I don't have it? What if I feel it and taste it and touch it and it's gone? And so that was a lot of my childhood. And 14 years old, I finally knew like, all right, cool. I'm adopted. I had to go into a court, look at my real mom in the, like the podium, like wherever the, uh, you know, you stand as the witness and, and you pretty much had to say, I no longer want you to be my mom anymore, which was very hard to do. But it took me going through this, this realm of really just, man, she used to like not visit, not visit when she was supposed to, lie to me for years. And like every night, crazy thing, every night whenever I would talk to her, I would wet the bed, couldn't control it. Up through 14 years old, I was wet in the bed. And, and so I finally severed that tie and I got an opportunity to kind of for the first time know that this, this bed I woke up on, I for sure get to go to bed on it tonight. Like that's my house, man. It's crazy, cool feeling. And then I was free to go do something that most people take for granted. I got to hit people and not get in trouble, Kendra. Ooh, it was fun. <laughs> I got to play football. I mean, football at the time was for me a chance of self-worth and we all are seeking some sense of self-worth in something. And I tried this thing I was horrible at. And like most people, when we try something new, I was real bad. And I was like, I don't want to experience this anymore. So whether it's like, I want to start doing podcasts and you get on and you suck and like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. When we're met with the realization we're not good, the emotional pain that comes with it makes us avoid it. 
we don't try it again. We don't learn lessons. We walk on to the next thing. And so I did that for a couple of years. I tried football. I was like, ah, this sucks. I'm not really good at this. I don't like how I feel. Um, I was now in high school and I'm not used to being around black culture. And I, you know, I don't have this, I, I speak like this, which is nothing bad, but most people don't assume I'm an African-American man. So like, I don't fit with certain demographics of people. So I have no, I didn't know who I was. I had a, a weird identity and I only knew that sports could be it, but I really didn't fit there. So I checked out. At the same time, my adoptive mom got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So I'm spinning my wheels. And at 15, I remember I'm sitting in a class, Mr. Howe's English class, next to two girls who have no idea I'm listening to them. And one says to the other one, some simple thing that's a gift that I wish everybody could get. She said out loud, here's what she said. The reason I'm so bad is because I'm in foster care. And as simple as it was, I heard my excuse out loud. Yeah. And when you do, it really can unsettle you. And at 15, I got that gift. And I was like, that is not a good enough excuse. I mean, think some people are like, well, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't go for my run today because I couldn't find my shoes, you know, or like, excuse that make no sense. It was too cold outside. Put a hoodie on, man, go run, you know? No, it was too cold. It was too cold. No, I can't. Yeah, but seriously, and they'll battle that. And I was like, I didn't want to be this guy. And I didn't find out till later. But if you look at any prison in America, 75% of the inmates are former foster kids. 50% of our homeless population spent time in foster care. Less than 1% of foster kids graduate from college. I'm not set up to do well. And she made this statement and it unsettled me and I had a choice. And I went home and that night I looked in the mirror. I kid you not. I went home that day, a 15-year-old boy, all unsettled. I looked dead in my eyes and my pupils. And I said, Anthony, you're going to be great. It was it. And I don't even know why I did it because I mean, at 15, it's not what most kids are doing. But I remember, I remember the sticker from like a, on the side of the, the mirror that was there. I remember the room, the wallpaper, all oh, was just staring and, and dead in my eyes. And it was a different decision. And it led me down a path of, of finding the, the thing that's my thing now. And it's how to be able to shift into that person. The only thing I knew to be great at this time, when I say great, was football and getting girls' phone numbers. And so I wasn't, I wasn't in a whole bunch of girls' phone numbers, but I was like, I'm a bit better at football. And so I started doing what great football players do. And I got laughed at. Teammates made fun of me. Like, you suck, Trucks. What are you doing out there? You know, I just, I'm far behind. Most of my peers have been playing for six years and I'm just starting, right? So I just kept doing it. And I kept, I had caught a football. Every day I caught 500 footballs. I had to catch it, thrown up in the air. Um, I lifted all the weights I could lift, ran the routes. I did all the conditioning. I kept building. And I was creating this crazy, just stronger body. Creating this body through repetition. When I showed up the next year, Kendra, I was a monster. Like, and it wasn't, now I say monster, I'm not talking about a monster physically. I was still probably like a buck 60. I mean, that's not a monstrous <laughs> human, right? But what it was, was you are not taking this ball from me. You are not tackling me. This is mine. Like I earned this in the dark when you weren't watching so I could shine in this light and you don't have the right to pull this out of, out. this is mine. And what I found in that, like it progressed me to, Going from a guy that sucked the next year as a sophomore, I got moved to varsity. I started playing well. And, and here's a lesson I learned through that. What you create creates you. My process of creation and all creation, like Michelangelo making the David, like that, that creation, he didn't just go, yeah, I made a sculptor. No, I was a sculptor now. Like I was trying to play football, but I was a football player now. When you identify as that because you've done the work, there's an ownership to it. There's something that someone can't take from you and you won't take anything less than what you deserve. The problem is most people aren't doing enough to like work in the dark so that when they look at the light, they don't think they deserve. We all fight for what we deserve, but most people think they deserve down here at a lower level. And they fight for that and they get stuck there. 
So I found like, I want to go higher. So that was a thing that progressed me into getting a college scholarship, went to college with my high school sweetheart. Uh, we were the cutest couple in the yearbook. I was a homecoming king, super weird, but it all was like some like storybook thing, like Disney. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then I got to this moment where I'm in college and I get a call from my, my, you know, fiance. Cause I had, I had young guy. I actually had, uh, proposed to her at 18. Cause I knew I loved her. Was, I have a weird thing with women in connection in my life because of foster care, but like I am in, when I'm in, I am in, there's no cheating. There's no, I'm just dialed. So I was like, no, I love you. We're going to, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. 18. She's like, okay. <laughs> I gave her this little ring. It was like a hundred dollar little, you couldn't even see the, like it was not even a diamond and it was like a weird little like cut metal. It looked shiny. And, uh, and man, I get a call. I'm standing inside the locker room at the University of Oregon. She calls me and says, hey, hey, um, I went to Planned Parenthood. I'm pregnant. I'm 20 years old. And I'm in the locker room uh, my sophomore year. And I was excited. You wouldn't think that. Most people were like, why would you be excited? Because for me, Kendra, I now knew I got to give back to a life in a way that was never given to me. Like it was a beautiful moment. I was like, let's do it. Like I'm gonna be there. And I've been a present father since forever. Like this, this kid is, he's so, he's a 16 year old now. He's crazy. Um, and man, we progressed through us. So I was a college athlete that now had a kid. So I became, here's an identity thing. I became a father that played college sports. She was a full-time student. And, and fast forward another year, I come to find my real dad through some weird connections. I find out where he exists. My very first collegiate start, I'm playing against Mississippi State um, across the country. When I first called him, he had a really deep, thick Nigerian accent. I'm a first-generation Nigerian-American. And my first college start, I beat out a true, a true uh, sorry, redshirt senior, a guy who'd been there for five years. My second year, I beat him for the spot. I, I wanted to meet my dad and ball that day. I wanted to be a guy starting, and I got it, man. So I started. We won the game. I got a game ball, which you can actually see, but those listening can't. It's that ball right there, and I got to meet my dad. And so, man, like, it was a really cool, unique experience. Um, get through college. I'm, I'm doing really well. I get an opportunity to play in the NFL. Uh, the NFL stands for not for long. <laughs> I got in. My third, my third year in, I tear my shoulder. Now, I got a lot of crazy NFL stories. I'm not going to go deep into them all. Um, anybody wants to know, feel free to ask me. But there was one, there's one grouping of lessons I learned that specifically have been powerful for my life. And what it was, was I learned how to set a vision bigger than what I thought possible. Because football wasn't, like, the, the NFL wasn't in my radar. I, I'm a foster kid. That's not supposed to be my life. And I'm here now. Like, I can achieve big dreams. I had to think that, that level then you have to find out how to make a plan you can execute. Like I had to, I had to plan at a world-class level with football. You have to, you can't go into a game without a game plan. You got to have one, but I learned how to break things down to chunks and steps and then how to audible when necessary because things change. Then how to execute in the face of pain and fear and failure, which a lot of people don't grasp. Like that's a huge thing. We did it every single play in practice, in games, you're going to get hurt possibly, you can mess up and you get a bit fail. You can, all these things can go wrong, but I kept on leaning in. And then the biggest thing that few people grasp is the change maker. Here's what it is. You have to be disgustingly disciplined and consistent. Now I use the word disgusting. Like it's got to be so that like, people got to look at you and be like, what is, ugh, what is wrong with you? Why are you so dope? You know? And when you can do that, it's, it changed your life. Now, I learned those lessons, but I didn't quite learn how to transition them out of football yet. So when I tore my shoulder playing as the Philadelphia Eagles in 2008, I come home. My teammates go get a Super Bowl that year, which sucked. I got no ring. I got to watch them win. I was like, of all 32 teams, you guys got to get it. They got it. Wow. And then I break my life. Best way to explain it. I come home. I have a massive identity crisis. Yeah. When you have given all of your all to something, it's ripped from you. 
it's kind of like, well, who am I without this thing? Yeah. And so now I'm in this position where like, whether you've had a kid go to college, you lost a job, lost a relationship, even if you've gained something that made you have to transition to something new, there's a sense of loss. All this that I've put into something, it's no longer part of me. And I had that with football. I was football and it's gone. So I come home and I got a, we have two more kids. We have twins and my wife's at home with, uh, we got married right before we went to NFL. So we have, you know, these twins that are newborns and she's dealing with them at home. I got a four-year-old. Um, I'm at the gym all day from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. So she has nobody at home. I'm getting out of shape because I'm not, the business isn't running smooth. Nine months in, I'm looking at bankruptcy. I got this, you know, I'm wearing hooded sweatshirts to cover the belly. I'm feeling less than about myself. The business, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, I opened a gym, no clue what I was doing and, and just everything tanks. So now at a certain point, come to find my wife's having an affair. So now I'm in this position where like my family's being ripped from me. My relationship's gone, right? My business sucks. Football's gone. Uh, and realistically, the business is just, it's tanking. I don't, nothing that makes me feel like me is there anymore. And I hope no one ever gets to this place, but people do consistently. And I got to a really dark place. I was in a fog for a while. I, and a fog is like survival. You don't want to focus on it. It hurts too much. Yeah. And, I, and I was just kind of floating. And my best friend one night after, like we watched the UFC fight, he follows me out to the car and realizes there's something off. And he goes, Ant, four words. This is your reality, he says. That's it. This is your reality. And everything came slamming on my chest. It was this, uh, this moment of an intense emotional wave. I couldn't stop. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't stop crying. It was like an uncontrollable because all the emotions finally just got broke out of my heart. And I remember I drove off and I, I didn't know what to do to stop. And I figured if I'm going to get it to stop, I just got to stop it all. So I sent a text to my friends and family. I said, please tell my kids who their father was. And I drove off. And it's like 10 o'clock at night. And so thankfully, no stores were open that sold rat poison. That's what I was looking for, to be honest. And uh, I stopped at about an hour outside of my hometown in a town called Stockton. And I just sat there and the wave kind of subsided. I turned my phone back on and GPS tracked me. Police came and found me. And I can talk, obviously. So I talked, hey, no, it's, I'm fine. You know. So I get home and I get to this point of where I'm just kind of like bottomed. And uh, I, I, I rolled my house, 30 people outside looking for me. 30 people outside, like a whole congregation. Like imagine the wave of shame like an immense shame on top of this. I'm like, damn, because I didn't tell anybody what's going on. Like as a, a big alpha man, we don't share our hot, you know, that's not what we talk about. Big, that's not my thing. And so I get to these moments, man, where like, I remember uh, I had a buddy the next couple of days later, he, he pulls me to the back office. He worked for me at the gym, played high school football with me. And he, and he said something that's very unique. And he says, hey man, first off, never in your life even consider that again. Don't you dare. I got it, right? Second, he says, is when I found out I threw up in the toilet, like, what do you mean threw up in a toilet? He says, well, I thought I'd lost a hero. And that, that was weird. I was like, what do you mean you lost a hero? He says, well, you've been an inspiration to this entire community for so long, but no one's told you. You've been, you've been out here living your life and people look at you and they, they see something positive. We know what you've gone through. You've been, you've been impacting a lot of lives without realizing it. And up until that point, I've been living life for Ant. That's why I was selfish. I didn't realize that for me, I was doing everything for Ant. So in football, football, this is, this is a simple analogy that people got to grab um, I, I look at all of our labor, like there's fruits of our labor, Kinder. Like there's, there's, there's the, you have this podcast you lead. I have a family that is fruits of our labor. Football was my fruit. And I was this fruit. I was this apple. So when the apple fell off the tree, like I felt like I was falling off the tree. And just like anything, like when football, this was my fruit, I was this apple. Like football was me. It fell off the tree and it was sitting there. Now, like any kind of apple, it can be picked up, taken to the store. It can sit in somebody's house. And, you know, they might eat it. If it's my house, I don't. I don't know why. My wife buys it. I never seem to eat it. But it's there, right? 
And, and eventually that fruit, it dies. And when it dies, it gets all rotten and then it's nothing. And that's how I felt. That's how we actually feel. When we have something like our job is gone, our relationship's gone, we feel like that fruit. And it falls up the tree and it rolls away and we eventually rot. We can hang for a little bit, but we, we die. And then what happens is we never realize this one simple thing. You were never the fruit. You were always the tree. And so what happens is when you don't tend to the tree, you're only focusing on fruit. Well, you don't prune the branches. You don't water the, the grass. You don't give it nutrients. All the rest of the fruit dies. So when I was focused on football and that fruit, the marriage died, that fruit died, the family died, the, the business was dying, my health was dying. The fruits weren't being focused on anymore. And so I didn't realize till later about 2016 at that moment, but man, those moments with him right there, like he planted a seed in me, which was maybe there's some use in my life. Maybe something in my past of craziness could be beneficial to the world. And I thought, well, what if I try and do it on purpose? Now I'm telling you, the absolute worst time to try to help people's lives when your life is in, in the tank. Like, don't, don't try and tell people how to run the race when you're running yourself. And so that was kind of like the, the, the lead up to, yeah, that relationship and that all falling apart. And then at this point in the story, like I quite literally am floating. I'm in a fog, man. So I don't know if you have any questions on anything floating on there. There's a lot. <laughs> we, we still got some more to cover because the story is not over. <laughs> but a lot well, goes on. You know what? I think it's so, I mean, it's, it's just so... Uh... Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot to process. There are a few things that, a few moments in that story as you were telling it that all of it stood out to me. But there were a few, you mentioned a couple of different specific moments where almost as if like from above, a voice came in just a few short words from another person yeah. in the first time it was, you know, the girl in your high school classroom, then it was your friend who said, this is your reality. And, and they just, everything, they were, they were key on or light switch moments or yeah, these, these shift moments. And, and so I do like, and maybe this sounds like a really small question to ask, but I wonder, like, are you just the kind of guy that um, people say these profound statements to, or do you think there's something about you in those moments that allowed you to hear those statements? Or do you think it's something that now looking back, you realized how powerful those statements were? Because I'm thinking to myself, how many times has somebody said something like that to me and and I just missed it completely? I know it sounds like a random question, no, but I, I'm fascinated question. about this. You know, I, I think this is a, and it's, it's for me, I take it in a somewhat spiritual way, right? I, I don't think we can look at our world and believe there's no grand design. There's just no way to see the beauty of the humanity, what we have right here. The fact that how your body works right now. I am on one side of the, the quite literal country. And I, am, I have things that happen to my brain chemically that make my lungs press air through vocal cords that vibrate into a microphone that sends a signal over the internet immediately to you that then goes into your ears and it vibrates your earlobes and all your eardrums and it goes into your brain that makes you think something and you talk back like that. That's an accident. We, we walk, you know, so it's like this thing where I believe is a great plan and we mess the plan up. So when people say things to us or we hear these messages, I don't believe in the back of my head in any way that this, that it wasn't supposed to be. I think we just aren't listening to the part, like the plan. We aren't seeing the plan or we get too scared or we, uh, we try to put our own meaning on things that are the wrong meaning sometimes. And so what I find is I, I believe we all get these every single day in the world and the life that we live. But unfortunately, some people aren't, they're not downloading it. 
They're just not absorbing it. They're not taking it in. And so they're wondering, why is my life like this? Well, it's a lot of people telling you stuff. You just maybe got to listen to And maybe it's not going to be someone you know. Maybe it's a profound message in somebody passing in a doctor's office or uh, in line at the subway. Like you hear somebody say something. It's like, oh, wow. And it's an aha moment. And I believe those aha moments, they pivot things, but and they shift them in new directions. But you quite literally have to, like you have to have a new perspective to get there. I say perspective precedes enlightenment. I got to see something different to go, oh, that's what that meant. That simple perspective change can change a life. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it was interesting because as you said that, I was like, or on a podcast, because when you, when you mentioned there that uh, earlier about the fruit and the tree, it's like, I think about all the times in my life where I feel like I'm just struggling and like it's something's just not like things aren't coming together. Things are falling apart. And I just realized it was because I was entirely focused on the fruit and, yeah. and the power of knowing that you are the tree, which actually brings me back because I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, when you started this conversation and launched into all of the cruelty and just pain of your childhood, of your youth. Um, that was the fact that you could just say it. And I'm like, my heart is just like, is uh, sinking. And, and I want to go back and like slap someone or I don't know. Um, yeah, be nice. how, how do you like, I hear a lot, you know, we, we all have different stories. We carry those stories with us. Some of them are just really dark stories and they, and they stay with us. The, the yeah. negative emotions stay with us. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, how did you even get in, like, how, how did you move forward carrying those stories with you? Like, how yeah. is that, how is that even possible? There's a couple ways, I think. <laughs> so one, it's uh just keep it clear, I had the same anger and pain anybody would think that you would have. Yeah. I mean, multiple levels of PTSD, we'll call it just, I mean, not trusting people for a long time. And then your wife steps out on you, the closest person to your heart. Like, it's just a lot. Believe me, there's no shortage uh, inside of me of fiery anger. There, well, actually, let me ask you about that. Because like when that happened with your wife, yeah. did you go all the way back to those early stories? Or did you go back to the moment in the mirror? Oh, you do everything. Uh, yeah, you, you, bl you blame it on God. You blame it on, you know, why me? I mean, it's, the brain takes off in directions. And, and, and it, <laughs> it took me a few years to figure it out. Because most people are like, well, how did you get here? And like, I'm telling you, I've only been here maybe the last five, five years, four or five yeah. years. It's been an interesting journey to this point here. I was doing a lot of work, but it took me like a really interesting moment to, to have it all kind of flip over. And uh, I mean, I, I guess I'll continue that from that point. Like, so what happens is at this moment in time, I get this gym, I'm doing my thing and, and we end up getting divorced. Um, and just, you know, like I've had a mom that's given me away. I've had a, a real dad that was never present, you know, that I finally found. Um, I, and this time I had gym people that were like partners kind of ish. They'd start with me and steal money from me when I didn't have money to be stolen. Like I was crazy. And so I get to a point where like, I'm, I'm looking at possible bankruptcy. At one point, literally, I'm living in a 500 square foot studio apartment behind, it was one of my staff's girlfriend's house in an in-law unit. I mean, imagine that, like I'm, I'm, I'm the boss at a 9,000 square foot facility that I, you know, kind of was figuring out to grow. And it was always, I mean, every two weeks was a stretch. Am I going to pay payroll? Am I going to pay rent? Right. And so like, I'm living behind this thing. My kids are sleeping on an air mattress. Like, so I got, I, this is, this is after the NFL. 
after crazy. It just, the life is just, I mean, it was not beautiful. I'm, at the same time, I'm a man of faith and I started doing things that weren't in faith. I'm multiple partners hanging around, playboy thing, you know, like I'm cool. And it was, it was everything was like draining. I would go to work, tell people how to get in shape, go home, drink a six pack of Blue Moon, go back to work. Like this is this is a life I'm living at this time. Blue right? Moon so, is not light beer. That is no. Not I was beer. I was getting it, man. I was I'm telling you, it was a crazy time. And then what ends up happening is I get to 2014, April 15, 2014, and I'm sitting in a room. Um, and it was you know me, my mom, my grandma, my dad, and uh, and we're sitting there. And I remember on the right hand side of my mom, and she's in a hospital bed, and my dad's on the left. And I remember locking eyes at my 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 dad and look up to my grandma who's over his shoulder. And we're, we're listening as we're all watching the heart rate monitor decrease. So little by little, it's just, you hear the beeps get smaller and smaller. And I remember we all just look at her and we watch my mom inhale and her final breath. And I remember I'm holding my mom's hand. It was just like this. Like you, I remember locking eyes with my dad. And it's like, it was, that was it. Like she's not here anymore. In a very, it was a very, um, man, it's a very morbid and difficult moment because on one side, genuinely I have a heart of like, she's out of pain now. She's no longer in pain. The other side was like, man, life's short, like so short. Like I, she allowed me to, to reach the potential levels I did, right? And on top of that, she loved me past crazy. She unconditionally loved me in a way that didn't make sense. Like just, it did, didn't make sense. So in my head, I was like, man, how am I living this life in a fog right now? And this woman's potential was ripped from her at 47. And I felt like life, I was 30, was, life had been so fast till then. I'm like, man, if this is life and it feels so fast to 30, I may have less time here than I've already been here. I don't have time to waste. None of us do. And, and I had this thought of like, I got to figure this thing out. And what I made as a promise to her about an hour before this moment uh, I had some time with her alone and she wasn't conscious. Like I just remember talking to her. I said, mom, I got two promises I'm going to make. And I, I'm not making this up because it sounds good. This is quite literally what happened in these moments. I said, one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this life thing out, mom. I'm, I'm going to get back to the guy I'm supposed to be. And then two, when I do, I'm going to help people the way you did for me. Like I got to find a way to press your heart onto the world in an unconditional way to love on those who aren't my blood. Because if we can hate people you don't like, like or even know, I can love people I don't know, right? So I remember like that was a thing. And so I set this path of like figure it out. And in a weird return of events, I found this industry. I honestly had no idea it existed until like, like a little bit later. I didn't like June, I found out this whole world of speaking existed. I was like, well, maybe I can do something. A guy named Brendan Burchard introduced me to this world through his online videos, what he does, you know? And I'm like, man, this is kind of cool. And my gym members, like my gym lease was up. I could move into something new. And I got this big quarter million dollar contract for some, you know, for PG&E out here to do some consulting. I was like, man, God opened this window. Like said, hey son, go try it, go figure it out. And so I jumped and I started doing things. Now I wasn't, I wasn't the perfect guy. I was still running the race when I teach the race and figuring it out and, you know, still had multiple partners and I'm like doing the whole playboy thing. I had some money. So I'm like traveling to the Bahamas on a weekend, having women come join me. And it's like, it sounds cool. It sounds great. I was dead inside. And it took me going to, to I went to Russia in 2015 for a speech. I came back from Russia, January, 2016, is where this everything changed, where your, your, your question from before of how did I get to the hell, hold these stories comes in. I wake up and it's January 1st, 2016. I'd had a woman, the same woman I met in Russia, fly from Russia over. She didn't speak English. It was just, it was a very purely physical, lustful relationship. And I remember like I got up on the new year and looked over and I didn't, my kids weren't in my home. Mm -hmm. I couldn't speak to her. I didn't feel good. And I kind of got up and I had this wave of shame and I went into the bathroom. I closed the door, I looked in the mirror just like I had when I was 15. 
and in my eyes was shame. It wasn't that you could be great. I had a very clear picture of I was not. Mm -hmm. And something had to change. I had to figure out what I was doing. And when she had went home, I sat with myself. I did a whole lot of deep digging and figuring out what the hell's wrong with me. And I found out I'm the common denominator in all my problems. That was it. I realized it wasn't something that like wasn't the marketplace. I bought the books, joined the courses, did the programs. I've been the Bashard stuff for years and all the rest of the world still wasn't having success. I was like, what in the world is going on? So for the next few months, man, I swore off women. I, I sat at home. I, I got used to being with the person I didn't like that I was always with me. And the more I did, the more I dug up, I, man, I had some deep ownership I had to take. I had to figure out what in the world was wrong with the marriage? Where did I mess up in that, right? What was wrong with my parenting? Where did I mess up in that? The business, my health, everything, hobbies. I had to figure out, and it took a lot of like dark moments on the couch crying to myself, like, damn, man, this is not, you, you even promised your mom, what are you doing? And, and then I started realizing, okay, here's what I got to do. And I started finding out the things that needed to be done to fix my life. And the more that I did them, the more life started coming around. I was in some dark bottoms, man. And so by the end of that year, by October, 2016, simultaneous to me, my ex-wife, who if you don't know about exes, like I'm talking, we had custody battles, text messages back and forth. I hated her guts for years. <laughs> and I shamed her so much for what she did to the family. But in my finding, I found, well, you know what? She made a really crappy choice. I don't take that from her, but it took two people to get her to a place where she even thought she needed to make a choice. Mm -hmm. And I took my ownership for that and it sucked. I was like, yeah, I get it. So I kind of relieved her of some of that shame and she started growing without me knowing it. So I get invited to a uh, pretty much like a vacation with her and the kids. She's like, hey, I got to get away from this town. I don't like what's going on here. I want to go to Costa Rica. It's safe there for the kids. I don't want to be with you, but I, I want you to be there. I know you can't be away from the kids that long. She was right. I can't. So we flew down there. And we had our own separate places and we just kind of did our thing. And then it was interesting because I mean, we were in a foreign country and the only person that speaks English is the person that's with you. You have conversations. And the best way I can explain it is I got to meet someone for the first time that I'd known for 16 years. Mm -hmm. Different heart, different mind. And it was, uh, it was the, the, the catalyst to a new relationship. And I'd been talking to somebody at this time. I kind of started talking to one person again and came home and the day before the date, um, she sits me down, my ex-wife, and is like, hey, I want to try this again. I'm like, what are you doing? She ruined the date, by the way. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was ruined. But then what happened is I came back, and, man, we've, we've been, after three years divorce, we're in a, a phenomenal marriage. We're four years back into it. we got amazing children. We have a, a beautiful household. We have a, be we have a beautiful thing that allows us to be filled. And you ask the question of how do I get to this point? And here's what I realized. Most people do not have the tools they're just not given the tools in life. They, they don't understand how to do what I did in that moment. So what they do is they live their life from this old programming. So my real mom wasn't given the tools to be a good mom. My real dad, he found me. When he first met me, he told me, I had no idea you existed. And I come to find he always did. Before he passed away, he told me. I could have been very angry. People that stole from me, um, my ex-wife. Forgiveness at a certain point became this thing where I realized that people aren't maliciously always attacking you. They're not trying to make you feel bad. They're unfortunately doing the best they can with what they have. And if they aren't given the, everything, like they can't always do well for you. And unfortunately, we get the byproduct of their pain. Mm -hmm. And so I had a compassion at a certain point. So the stories, the darkness, the people that were doing those things to me as a kid, it's like, man, where, where what kind of darkness was your heart in? Yeah. And there's a different kind of progression I use. And then so the way that I explain, it, it's kind of like we talked before, like a computer. 
we all have, I'm on a computer now. I actually just updated my computer yesterday and now my program stuff, my computer stuff isn't working. It's pissing me off, but it's just the world that we live in, right? But here's what I know. The computer after a while has programs that sometimes run, but what happens to you, those little alerts that come up and say, hey, you want to update this? I say, no, no, snooze that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. And then another one comes in. You want to, no, no, snooze that. 24 hours, I don't got time for this. I'm busy. I can't wait that time. And so what happens after a while with the program stop working right, they start shutting down and messing up. My quick time wouldn't work yesterday. That's why I had to do that, right? They stop working. And then eventually like, you're like, I got to keep doing my thing. And you had to open in safe mode. Hopefully safe mode works, but you know, sometimes it does, but you can't really get full functionality. And eventually you got to go, all right, I'm getting that spinning wheel of death on everything. Let me go ahead and update. And I sit back and I download and then it uploads. And then I wait the time it's frustrating, but then all of a sudden the computer works again. And for us in life, we are biological computers and identity is our software. It's our operating system. The programs, our marriage, our health, our relationships, all these things going on. And what happens is nobody goes in and says, we got to update. So yes, your wife says you should be home more often with the kids. Snooze that. Hey, yeah. stop eating that stuff at work. No, no, snooze that. Hey, hey, man, you got to run the business a little bit differently because you're about to go under. No, snooze it. I'll figure it out. And we snooze it all. And after a while, you go to safe mode. Only me, siloed. Cut out God, cut out friends, just me. And then you realize you can't get full functionality. And in the moments in 2016, I said, let me download. Let me figure out what's going on with this. Let me upload. The upload is the shift. It's the actions of uploading. And I shifted. It was, it was through action I shifted to be into the space of a new identity of who I am. It was like the football guy playing football and football player. It was the guy living life to this is who I am. Yeah. I'm a great husband. I'm a great man. I'm a great father. I'm a great business. So I just shift into that through the actions of doing it. But when I did, all of a sudden, no more spinning wheel of death, no more crash. Now the thing just runs smooth. So when I get updates for life, it says, hey, Aunt, man, you need to learn this for your family. Got it. I'm going to take that. Let me download that real quick. Hey, be a better husband here. The kids need to be more present. Hey, let me download that real quick. So I'm more consistent in the world of what I do. This is quite literally what I teach. Yeah, yeah, it's not always the people, man, we we are addicted to information and tools and software and programs for success. And the problem is, I don't believe that it's it's the tools. It's who you are with them. And the moment that you figure out that you must shift into the person who can master anything, then the tools become less relevant. Success becomes second nature. And that's how you get to the point of seeing people who have joy within what they do. It's not a stress. It's not a struggle. And man, that's the beauty. And, and that's where I'm at my life now. Now is the thing where I'm able to quite literally make good on the second promise to my mom. Yeah. I did it. I fixed my life. I got my thing. And mom, now I'm giving it back. And this podcast is literally how I, one of the ways I do it. I find ways to make good on that promise every chance I get. So, well, and that's where I just, as I'm listening to your whole story and all of the different identity shifts you have made, and they're like, big ones and and how it isn't always doesn't always go smoothly right sometimes you're sometimes it uh we have technical difficulties for a minute yeah, or two while it gets all <laughs> well it gets all assimilated so what are like what are some of the um your company is called identity shift that's what yeah. you do now yeah. um what are if you were to give somebody who is listening to this and they're like oh, i that's what I need to do. I need yeah. to, I need to make that shift. Are there without giving too much away? I know you have a book coming out. We'll talk about yeah. that. Um, yeah. Are there a few practical things that someone can do as soon as they turn this off to make a shift in their life? Oh yeah. I, so one thing I've realized, uh, and it comes to the mentors that I have is you don't just tell a story without giving some insight on how to do it for somebody. 
And so what I was, I was very uh, lucky to do early on was find someone that said, hey, you make it a process you can teach. So I went through and took my life and took research and created what's called the shift method. It's quite literally like a simple process, the only one in the world designed with identity as the focal point. And so what it is, there's three stages. And this is going to be the things people can learn and go do right now. It's see, shift, sustain. Look at some things, do the work, and then keep that going. What most people do, unfortunately, is we go to start doing work. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that you end up getting to the point of huffing and puffing to lean, you know, to climb this ladder, lean against the building. You get to the top of that ladder and realize, oh man, the ladder's leaned against the wrong building. Mm-hmm. I did the wrong work. That's why people get to the middle of their life and they get midlife crisis. Cause we're always, we're always being someone every day. It's a verb of being, I show up in my day in a certain way, unconsciously, like you don't notice your operating system until the programs show up and tell you there's something wrong. In your life, you don't notice what's going on until the programs say, hey, it's off. Yeah. And so for me, what ends up happening is people will become somebody and later on like, oh, I was being the wrong person this whole time. And so what I do is say, we're gonna start looking, the beginning is we're gonna see. We're gonna see two things. That's the action. Right? Yeah. yeah, take a look at what are the blind spots you don't see in the invisible chains holding you in the place you're at. What are those? Two, I want to see what crazy dream you can create once you realize that those are going to be gone. People don't dream at a distance. They don't dream at a place that makes them palpably want to get there. They think like, oh, cool, some more. I want to make some more money. For what, though? Like, tell me what that, what does it taste like? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Do you want a nicer house? Okay, go to Beverly Hills. Go on some open houses. Go stand in a house. Feel that. Taste that. See that. Because now it's a different dream, right? Once we have that, now go to work. Now you shift. But you're shifting not just to achieve this thing, but to realize that I'm going to become somebody. So who will I become? You plan out, like, what's the identity I want to shift into that has the house, has the car, has the marriage? And when you do that correctly, now you go through the process, which is the create creates you. I'm going to go through the process of creation, and it's going to suck. I'm not going to quit because most people start the process. They have these, these plans in place. They, they sometimes don't execute, but if they do execute – they go and they feel that first wave of pain and they step away. And I say, no, 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 learn from that. Go try it again. And again, like I did with football, do it again. And after a while, what was a 10 of pain becomes a nine and becomes an eight. It becomes a seven because you keep learning stuff and eventually becomes a zero. But Kendra, zero is not painless. Zero is joy. Mm. It's that thing that, that drove you insane to do it. It hurt. Now you can't help but do it. Like I used to hate speaking on stage and, and, and doing podcasts. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I love these things now, you know, like it's a joy because I, I figured out how to get past that pain point. It's the same for everybody in anything that you want to do. And once you've shifted and you get to that point of waking up one day and going, I don't know when, but at some point I became an animal. I was a beast. Like I was in football. Then it's a game changer. And the last piece is sustain. What do you have to do to keep this going by being disgustingly disciplined and consistent? So if someone's listening right now, first go take a look at your life. Try to get someone, and I, I have processes that we do, but like the simplest way is try to get someone to give you some insight. Try to look in yourself and say, what am I not seeing? And where can I go? And then once I know that, what work do I have to do to get there? What does that look like? And then what must I do to be able to stay disciplined and consistent? There's little things that we do in that method, but that's really it. If you can do that, it's a game changer. Every person in the world who has success, like the magazine, has done this. They just, unfortunately, they did it the long and hard way. They didn't know what they were doing. They were just kind of keeping press and going. They had willpower. But man, when you got a process, you can shortcut the path to get there. Yeah. So speaking of that process, I know that this is, we have some exciting news. You have a book coming out. Yeah. Anthony, is this your first book? 
Second book. Um, my first book's my autobiography up until uh, it's actually up until my mom passed away. And so none of the second half of that, but it's actually called part one because I realized it's going to be a part two. My life was, I was only 30 years old when I wrote it. So I'm like, there's no way it's going to be all the stories of my life. So it's called part one. Uh, but the new book is completely different. The new book is not autobiography. It is taking this and, and making it a deeper dive in a simplistic way so people can learn it and actually apply it. So what you just asked me, Mm -hmm. All of that's in there. Like, how do I do this, Anthony? It's in the book. And it's, we, it is available for pre-order now. When does it come out? It's April? May. Uh, May 18th, it comes out. And it's, you can get a pre-order right now. If you go to identityshiftbook.com, you can go grab it right now as a pre-order and it will come out early. We'll have some digital galleys that'll come out. We'll have some things that come out early. Uh, but yeah, you can go get a pre-order of it right now. And as a fellow author, pre-orders are so important. So mm -hmm. if you are listening to this and have loved what Anthony has said, and I know that we've been, we've had other conversations before for different things and your practical steps and methods to, to break down these, you know, you hear, you hear all of these incredible pieces of your story. But like you said, to be able to break that down and to teach people different ways to do it, uh, in addition to identity shift, it's a complete shift in in the way that you see the world and see yourself, which I suppose would be identity. Where else can we find you, Anthony, if people want to learn more from you? Yeah, just go to at uh, Anthony Trucks on Instagram is probably the closest that you can get to following along. Or um, you can go to textanthony.com and open up a little thing in your phone. You can shoot me a text. So I message people back and forth there all the time. So what's next for you? Like you're, you've had, you've had this identity for a while yeah. now, like with, you know, you're obviously you're the same tree. We've got all this fruit. Like, what are you, especially now we're coming to the end of 2020. I know everybody is just mm -hmm. like drooling over the possibility of 2021. Yeah. I don't, think we need to be bound by years or dates or time <laughs> that way, but what, like, what do you, what do you see next for yourself? Or are you just settling into what we, are you, settle sustaining in what you have right now or is there something on the horizon for you I don't, you know I don't do I don't do well with the settle I don't think it's and it's not that here's yeah. the thing to, to say that I'm not settling doesn't mean that I'm not happy with what I have I love yeah. what I have right you can eat a, a Sunday and still like the cherry right so I'm gonna go keep getting cherries yeah. I call it bonus rounds I am statistically not supposed to be where I am in my life so I'm I'm playing the bonus rounds of life right now everything I get's good I beat the level I was supposed to play. Now I get to see how many mushrooms I can get, right? So what's big for me, I think one is I don't go big. I go little in a really big way. So whatever I choose, I go small and figure out what's the thing that I can, if I keep knocking it down and no one can stop me, what will I overcome and accomplish? Um, so in this industry, man, I love impacting people. I have coaching programs that we, we guide people through daily. Um, I do virtual trainings. I, I just, I speak, I, co I all this fun stuff. I love what I do, but I also have weird passions to try other things. So I've made a promise to myself that at 40 years old, I'm going to take acting classes. I don't want to leave this earth without having been in a movie. I don't care if it's like a, a ridiculous, stupid movie <laughs> made on an iPhone. I'm going to take, why not, right? I'm going to take why my not? shot at it. I want to take singing lessons. Not I want to take singing sing. lessons. Right? I just want to do it because why not? I figure if we live in this world where there's so much possible, why not try it? I don't have to be the best at everything, but why not sample things, right? Why not try life? Because I think when we were kids, we had this big perspective of what life could be. And as we get older, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller because you get more refined to your friend groups and your profession and what the world you're in. And my identity is that one thing I do. And I was like, no, I'm the tree. 
Yes, exactly. I was just thinking, no, you're the tree. You get to have all I'm the tree, man. Let me try to let me see if I can get a tree that that makes apples and watermelons and bananas and you know, <laughs> just like grow, why not do yeah, my wife's an avocado fan. I'm allergic to them for some reason, but like uh-huh. that's what I want. So the next part of my life is to live life. Yeah. I love that. And this has been just an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for being so generous with all of your stories and perspectives. And I can't wait to hear the various identity shifts that our listeners make. If you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure to rate us, leave us a review. And Anthony, thank you again for sharing your story. Very welcome. We'll see you soon. If you enjoyed this conversation, look up an inch or down an inch and check out all of our previous discussions. You can find those at iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are sold. And of course, check out the latest issue of Success Magazine by heading over to success.com slash subscribe and get more inspiring stories like this delivered right to your front door. Be sure to give us a review on Apple iTunes and you can find me at KindraHall.com or on Instagram at KindraHall. That is Kindra with an I. I can't wait to hear the stories you'll tell. Until next time.